It is the 200 level, episode 76 from the basement. Mike Carpenter here on a Monday morning, getting the week started and not a whole lot of sports to react to, obviously, though there is a little bit of a line of basketball news that we'll get to. Later on in this podcast, we'll be talking with our old friend Isaac Ambrose now that we got the interview stuff all set up and ready to go. Hope you enjoyed last week's podcast with Harry and Trevor, and we're going to be doing a bunch more of those. So I'll get a schedule figured out with those guys. One idea that I think Harry had thrown out last week that I did like was during this whole broadcasting of The Last Dance, that Bulls documentary, we meet back up on Monday mornings, do a podcast, just sort of react to it, and then talk about whatever else is going on. Uh, but it was pretty cool because on Friday, there were a couple different messages I got on Twitter from people that had listened to that episode with Trevor and Harry and myself uh, that said, hey, thanks for just putting a conversation with you guys back up there. It had been months since the three of us had been able to talk together. I guess it would have been right after the Illinois-Missouri game because Harry left not long after that to go out to Connecticut. So when Harry and Trevor and I were doing that conversation, early on there were a few hiccups. I was talking over Harry and Trevor because it's we aren't seeing each other. It's an audio call. And I was just so eager to make some lame joke about Rudy Gobert, Rudy go over there, uh, that I thought they'd appreciate. And then we sort of settled in. And it was much more as if we were just sitting around this table here in the basement like we did so many times back in the fall. So that is something that we will do more regularly. Love talking with those guys. And the cool thing is with this setup now is we could get anybody on. So we got Corey Bradford. Uh, later this week, there's a journalist that I'm hoping to get on that I think you'll enjoy that conversation. I will reach out to Lon. Brightweiser is another person that I want to talk to uh, sooner rather than later. But the good thing is that now this setup is in place, this will go into the fall and the winter when we start talking football and basketball, fingers crossed. And for example, Harry Black, football guy, knows a lot more about it than I do. We'll be able to talk with him regularly during Illini football season, which is a concern that I had. In a way, this whole pandemic has sort of forced me to look at projects that I would not have otherwise done. And I don't know how soon I would have gotten around to figuring out how do I do interviews on this podcast. I figured, hey, as long as Trevor and Isaac can come down and I don't need to do every show as a monologue, we'll be okay. Well, then you get into a pandemic situation and you are forced then if you want to connect with other people to make something happen. So that is, I guess, one silver lining on this big turd Sunday that we're in right now with COVID-19. Uh, that, that's another thing, too, about that podcast last Thursday and Friday. If there were a pie chart that said what topics were talked about in the course of that hour and 10 minutes, I'd say about you know 25% were sports. And then the other 75% was just what was going on with myself, with Trevor and Harry. And this is the tricky situation. I, I got to give kudos to people that can go on and just talk about sports for an entire podcast or for an entire show right now. And I guess if there's a duty of the 200 level, just sort of like those sports podcasts, it would be to offer some sort of diversion. At the same time, though, and being fully honest and transparent with you, the listener, you know, that's naturally reality is going to creep in into the conversation, into these conversations I have just talking in the microphone with you, the listener, because there are bigger fish to fry than sports. But fortunately, Illinois basketball gave us some news last week, some of it from Alan Griffin, others from Derek Piper and people that are on the scoop as far as recruiting goes. Before we get started with Illini basketball, I need to thank, of course, our sponsors, DPDO, online at dpdo.com. All the best deals and prices are located on dpdo.com, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So if you want to follow the stay-at-home order, 
and support a local business with tremendous food at a great cost. That would be dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, listen, Illini Sports will be back eventually, and warmer weather is approaching, meaning you need cool t-shirts and vintage-inspired Illini apparel like they have at 4th and Kirby. Go online to 4thandkirby.com, coupon code 200LEVEL or THE. 200 level. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs, life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian and the staff. They're all local, local products that are not just insurance experts, but they have your local interest at heart as well. Brianismyguy.com. Got to thank, of course, Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. And we are now 76 episodes deep. And I guess a bit of a milestone. This is our 40th episode since the relaunch. Now, the number of these episodes has only went up. It used to just be a weekly podcast back during football season, and it made sense during football season to just do it once a week, react to the previous game, and then preview the game coming up. But with Illini basketball season, then the quantity went up to about two a week, and then, listen, during this situation, I need an outlet. This gives me the opportunity to come down, talking to a microphone, to anyone that cares to listen, and this will stay at about a two-a-week podcast, at least until we get to football season, and can reevaluate from there. I mean, hey, listen, there's not going to be any long trips I got coming up, so uh, for the most part, this will be, okay, Monday morning, pop down. Thursday morning, pop down. The idea will be to get you podcast early in the week and later in the week, so we'll try that. With Illini basketball, Alan Griffin, it is announced, is going to Syracuse. And for me, one big thing when anyone transfers from Illini basketball, and fortunately there haven't been, I guess, too many examples of that, but out of sight, out of mind. If they do leave, I don't want them to go someplace that could ultimately hurt Illinois. And if Alan Griffin had went to another Big Ten school, for example, not that that was really talked about too much, but had he done that, and we were forced to play him once or twice a year, with the inevitable Alan Griffin game against Illinois, where he drops, you know, seven three pointers and goes off against his former team. That would be a tough pill to swallow. It's already hard enough facing an EJ Liddell at Ohio State and knowing what could have been, and frankly that might have been the difference between a Big Ten title or not this year. I digress. Or even the Missouri game. Jeremiah Tillman, I know he's inconsistent, but listen, would we have Benefited from a guy like Jeremiah Tillman? Absolutely. Mark Smith? Maybe not so much. But it's still not fun to play guys with Illini ties and then have that feeling of, well, they might go off against Illinois when they play them. Alan Griffin knows such thing. He's going to Syracuse. And according to this new NCAA rule, which I think is going to be dropping this summer, they are not going to let any immediate transfers play this year. It looks like 2021 will be the start of when you get that one transfer per four or five year stretch, right? So Alan Griffin will likely have to sit out. And this goes back to my initial thought that this was not a basketball move. You know, we could sit here and say, well, why would someone transfer from Bad Underwood's program after that season, let alone Alan Griffin, who seemed to flourish, especially late in the season? And I think it's becoming increasingly clear that this is not some sort of basketball thing. The old cliche for bands is, well, creative differences. We split up because of creative differences. That's not the case here. It seems like this is a personal decision because he gets to go out to the state of New York, be closer to his family, at least his mom, and play at a place where she'll be able to come see him more, that he won't be a two-and-a-half-hour plane ride away. Instead, he might be a two-hour drive. So that alone makes enough sense. The fact that he's willing to sacrifice a year of eligibility to make this move tells me that you know, this is just a move that personally he really needed or at least wanted to make. And with that, I can't have any 
hard feelings. For one, he's, what, 20 years old, I'm 33. I probably should not be holding grudges against someone 13 years younger than I am. Uh, But on another, the fact that this happens so much in college basketball, even Brad Underwood, when asked about it, seems sort of nonplussed. Well, hey, it's basketball, we are not shocked by anything, and he immediately wished Allen the best. And I think that that says something because coaches can sometimes say the right things, but underneath that, there's a hidden sort of message. And we saw that with Greg Gard and the Kobe King situation up at Wisconsin. How soon we forget after they won a Big Ten title and Greg Gard looks like the smartest guy in the room again. I'm not convinced. But right after that happened, between Greg Gard's comments and Andy Katz, especially on Big Ten Network, it seemed like they were alluding to, well, this guy couldn't cut it. So whatever. Kesara, Sarah, and... He's not meant to be a Badger. Not getting any of that sense from Brad Underwood. So I think that that is encouraging on a few fronts. Now, from a basketball perspective, for Illinois, it hurts. We've talked about that. It is fortunate that you do have depth of that position with the two transfers, and both of which have two years of eligibility. So between Hutcherson and Grandison, you're in pretty good shape at the three spot. This leads to roster building 101 in 2020, meaning that this is a different reality than it was even 10 years ago. But you do have grad transfers out there, especially at the stretch four position. Derek Piper had wrote about this last week. Two names in particular, Brandon Johnson from Western Michigan and Frederick Scott from Ryder, both of them 6'7", 6'8", stretch fours. They can shoot a little bit, rebound. And when you look at next year's roster, Let's not downplay the loss of a guy like Kipper, who I know was inconsistent, but he helped you win some big games, not the least of which that Iowa game late in the year. And other than about a two, three game stretch in the Big Ten, his role was coming off the bench, playing the four, getting timely rebounds, especially on the offensive end. You need that next year. And I'm not exactly sure where you're going to get that because you cannot probably count on Georgie at the four spot doing that consistently for you. And then now you have the option of adding a grad transfer, a 22-year-old stretch four, whether it's Frederick Scott from Ryder or Brandon Johnson from Western Michigan that has size and the ability to score. So if you look at next year's roster and what you're lacking, it's not the three. And yes, we wish that Alan Griffin was here. And he could have played the two or the three, or if you got a really small lineup, I guess the four. But you can still find your way into a roster next year that is better than the one you had this year. And let me explain that for a second before you say, what, Carp? Come on. Listen, if, if we're assuming that I.O. goes, which I still assume that, then how in the world could you have a better roster without three of your top four scorers in I.O., Andres, and Allen? And you could argue at times Allen was certainly a top three or four player on that team. I get it. And I understand why there would be some leeriness to get that excited for next year's team. I'll tell you why I do. I'm banking on this. And I banked on Mark Smith, so don't <laughs> don't get too excited when Carp tells you, hey, this is going to work out. But for all intents and purposes, it looks as if Andre Crabello is that special kind of player, a special college player that will be here for four years and just sort of like a, let's see, Travis Trice might be a really poor example, but someone at Michigan State that for four years was a thorn in the side of a lot of Big Ten teams or maybe even a Bronson Koenig, something like that. The quintessential college point guard that becomes the thorn in the side for other teams. We might have that now with a guy like Andre Crabello. Adam Miller is a wild card in terms of how productive he'll be his freshman year. We know he's going to be great. Io, same thing. We knew he was going to be great, but there were growing pains, especially that freshman year. So can I bank on him as much as Andre Crabello? Probably not. 
It could happen, right? The potential's there. We know that. And the potential for immediate success is there as well. Assuming Kofi comes back. You have the best center of the Big Ten if, if Luca Garza goes pro. We'll see about that. So then it comes down to the rest of the roster and how you fill out around your great point guard in Crabello and your stud big man in Kofi, assuming that Adam Miller is going to be an immediate impact guy to some degree. Then you have guys that can shoot at the three this year with Hutcherson and Grandison. You add a stretch for 22-year-old grad transfer, whether it be, again, Scott from Ryder or Johnson from Western Michigan. You have a glue guy like DeMonte Williams. And Coleman Hawkins, I guess we'll see, even though let's not forget that this is a pretty decent recruit as well to round out that 2020 class. And certainly it's a different-looking roster, but it's one that I think will probably shoot better. And let's be real. Just law of averages says that Illinois will be a better shooting team from three next year, which can offset some of the strengths that you are losing. The ability of an Andres Feliz to go downhill and get to the rim seemingly at will. Same with Io. So I, I think that the path is still there. Do I expect this team to win a Big Ten title next year? No, I don't. Do I expect them to be top half of the Big Ten? Yes, I do. And that is, again, based on the strength of your point guard and your center. Two strengths that I don't know how many other Big Ten teams will be able to match you there. If I'm kind of singing the praises of Andre Crabello prematurely, I get it. Maybe I'm projecting and hoping that he's the next great Illini point guard. Because as good as Io was... He was a creator, great shooting guard, and he did have plenty of assist and timely assist to boot. But Andre Corbello was that pure point guard that Illinois has not had probably since a Darren Williams. Even a Dimitri McKamey, as good as he was, oftentimes became more of that shooting point guard than the distributor. Great numbers, there's no doubt. But we haven't had a guy like Andre Corbello for a long time, and I think we will see rather quickly how much that opens everything for everybody else. Lest I forget Trent Frazier. This whole last two minutes that there was a name, I knew that I was forgetting. And Trent Frazier, I'm not going to bank on this because statistically he has been backsliding this year. However, he has been also asked to be the primary ball handler, which he will not be so much this coming year. Certainly when Andre Corbello is not out there. But when Corbello is, talk about opening things up for everybody, Trent Frazier will be right there with him. So, If you assume that next year's team is going to be a better three-point shooting team, if you assume that your new threes, the transfers, and Hutcherson and Grandison might be better on the ball defenders than in Allen Griffin, and that Kofi with one more year is going to be that much more dominant down low, and enjoy it as long as Kofi's here because we aren't going to see a specimen like that probably forever, let's be real, then there is a path for this team to be very successful and not be a bubble team, but be firmly in the tournament and maybe competing late in the season for another Big Ten title. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. So maybe this is me in pandemic mode needing to find some sort of positivity and say, well, listen, we can do this if this, this, or this happens. But the good news is I think it's a shorter list of things that have to go right than things that could go wrong. And all too often in the last decade of Illini basketball, it has been a laundry list of things that need to go right for this team to make the tournament or to be successful, however you measure that. Those lists tend to be longer. In this case, I think the list is a lot shorter for things that need to go right and a lot longer for things that would have to go wrong for them to majorly take a turn for the worse. So that is my optimistic spin on Illini sports today for Illini basketball. Uh, Another thing with Illini sports, which we never really broached, this is the extension of Nancy Fay. And what this did bring up to me is how the pandemic will impact college sports, especially a program like Illinois, but really any Power 5 program that counts so heavily on the revenue from football and to an extent men's basketball. 
this was probably a financial decision. I know that the university and Josh Whitman tried to spin this in a sort of, listen, you know, she needs to get her time to build a program. And we all understand that. But at the end of the day, three years in, four and 48 in the Big Ten is not exactly a number that encourages you. Maybe she does turn things around next year, but you just lost your best player to transfer to North Carolina. So I don't see that happening. So this seems entirely a financial move that right now you aren't going to be making that change. You had to make a decision whether you fire or extend that coach, and instead you give them the extension. So listen, I could sit here and pretend that I'm upset or really ticked off that we decided to extend a 4-48 and 48 Big Ten coach, but we've been down this road before with Lovey where we got this you know kind of transparent extension that for a little bit looked like it might work, though clearly it's not. And this is seemingly just a financial decision that they can't make a move now. So we're just going to stand pat. Now, here's the thing to worry about. And again, back to the idea we got bigger fish to fry during COVID-19, but football will resume again. And it might be this fall. It might be postponed. It might be a shortened season. We don't know what it's going to look like. It might not be in front of fans. That to me seems like the most realistic outcome here. But regardless, you are facing a position where that athletic department, like many others, will be losing revenue. Regardless, U of I is preparing for it. Every school is probably preparing for the loss of revenue this coming fall. So how do you address that? Well, with Lovey Smith and the extension that you gave him, however transparent, you were not financially in a position to probably make a move from Lovey Smith regardless of what happens on the field. And that's an unfortunate possible twist in all this. You talk about unintended consequences of something like this. Well, you take the revenue away and then all of a sudden a decision for Josh Whitman becomes that much easier. Why would you make a move on Lovey? Even if the buyout isn't that much, you need to save your pennies right now. And it looks all the more likely to me that this is going to be our reality as Illini football fans for the next two, three years based on what's going on right now. Now, we could wake up in June or July, antiviral treatments going. Hey, guess what, everybody? Football season is on a schedule. Fans will be able to be in the stadiums. And then these athletic departments get back to normal sooner rather than later. That'd be great. Because keep in mind, they saved a lot of money on spring sports too. All the expenses for baseball, softball, you name it, tennis, well, they don't need to spend that right now. So this might work out. But I'm just kind of bracing for the inevitable football season's not going to look the way it normally does, and that whatever you do get out there, it's not going to be a position for Josh Whitman to make a change, even if they went four and eight or in a shortened season went two and six. I I don't know what that all looks like, right? This is all speculative as things will be for the next few months, but it's something to keep in mind that... You know, the reality has changed, and therefore these old narratives like, well, Lovey's got to win seven games this year. Maybe, but probably not. Not at this point. So something to keep an eye on. You know, as we were heading into football season, spring football, you know, that was starting to be talked about right before all the stay-at-home orders and everything. There wasn't really any enthusiasm, partly because I was so focused in on Illini basketball, but also because the way that that football season ended and the total lack of recruiting, no momentum whatsoever led me to think that, well, this thing's kind of dead in the water and that we had that crazy four-game streak, but ultimately weren't able to capitalize on it. And now it's too late. We aren't going to get anything going again, which is still how I think it's probably going to shake out, but it's just probably going to be a delayed response to it. Inevitably a delayed response because everything's being kicked down the road. 
Okay, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about too, and this happened last Thursday. A larger discussion about media, and I'll start with sports media. Because last Thursday, 670 The Score, mid-morning co-host Connor McKnight, and a few other people from that station. And keep in mind, this is the sports station up in Chicago. You wouldn't think revenue would be as big of an issue for them as, say, local radio groups. But I think three, at least three on-air personalities were fired, people behind the scenes. Dan Bernstein went on the air Friday with a very emotional sort of reflection on it that it was the toughest day of his professional life and Lawrence Holmes followed up shortly thereafter with something similar. They kept most of their host, but when you see a station that big and that profitable struggling to make ends meet already, and this was an order, a directive that came down from their larger conglomerate that owns umpteen different sports stations and radio stations across the country. We're going to start feeling that at home and we're going to start feeling that locally. Locally, we have three radio groups. We have one newspaper. And we already know that the News Gazette filed, I believe, for bankruptcy. This was last year, last spring. And that they brought in another company to effectively run this newspaper and not lose money. Well, inevitably, you're going to get people losing their jobs, which already happened. And they were already running a sort of skeletal operation over there to begin with. And then you have three radio groups again, Alani Radio Group being the biggest in town, that you think, because of the corporate um, ownership that they have and the profitability of a Wixie and a WLRW, they'll probably be okay, though they might be facing a bit of a crunch as well. But this leads me to kind of a larger discussion about local media, including where I used to work, uh, WDWS, and the realities that they're going to be facing here. And it's kind of scary because, you know, if I had not decided to make this career change into teaching full time and then the media stuff on the side, I would be ridiculously nervous and anxious right now. And that's just the reality of it. So many people are 10 plus million people have already filed for unemployment and there aren't many areas that are exempt from this that are exempt from the possibility that their job may be furloughed or they may be fired or their hours may be cut, their salary may be cut. And it just led me to think of people that I know and hoping that they can find themselves in the other end of this okay. That's the long and short of it. Um, you know, The other frustration is that when I look at the local media landscape, we are in a community of essentially 150,000 people between Champaign-Urbana, you add in Muhammad and Savoy, St. Joe, Tolono, if you want to call it the CU metro area, 200, 250,000 plus, doing pretty good. And you would think that maybe we could be in a position, this sort of micro-urban community, as some people have labeled it, to be exempt to some of those realities. We're talking about a university town, fairly affluent in some parts, and yet... Our media landscape has been stagnant for a while. Uh, one example of that would be WDWS. And this is coming from someone at 33 years of age that grew up with WDWS as the only talk place in town. It was the home of Illini Sports. It still is the flagship station. Listening to Lauren Tate and Jim Turpin on the way to the assembly hall, that was my reality. But there's something about the way that they, along with the News Gazette, have operated that it's very seldom been forward-thinking, whether it be the fact that their website, for example, was stuck in the Stone Age for about 15 years before they finally did a redesign. Uh, the fact that there doesn't seem to be that forward-looking leadership for our newspaper and our flagship radio station in town, not just for Illini Sports, but a talk radio institution, 
and you couple in the economic realities of it, and it's really unfortunate to think what the repercussions may be. People have already lost their jobs. More people probably will be losing their jobs in media, not to play the world's smallest violin for radio host or anything. It's kind of an odd position to be sitting here behind a podcast microphone where I'm not necessarily beholden to any boss or supervisor. I can say what I want, but at the same time being empathetic for those that are still working at these radio groups, people that I know, people that I've, whether they be an acquaintance or a friend, that are just trying to pursue what for most of us is a dream to work in radio and to think that when you mix the pandemic with relatively stagnant leadership, no fresh ideas, the same old, same old, that you're going to run into potential catastrophe. Now, I hope that within two, three months of this podcast, we get in the summer and we can get on the other side of this thing and these radio stations and these people that work there are going to be okay that they're going to have a job. That might happen. And maybe this community, just like back in 2008, will be able to withstand a recession or even worse, better than other communities. But as someone that sold ads for four or five years, that was how long I did it, it's not easy to begin with. Even when things are going well, it's not easy to go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, I want you to buy advertising on TNJ or whatever. But for someone who sold ads, I know that in this position right now, I would be fielding emails and phone calls from most of my clients saying, hey, can we at least scale this back for a while? And that's the lifeblood of any radio station, TV station, newspaper, ads. That's what supports it. That's what pays the bills and keeps people employed. So in this position where understandably advertisers would say, I don't got that cash on me. Or listen, I need to be careful with my money. I need to downscale from 1000 a month down to 400 you take those all together, and the consequences could be major. So I guess in this sort of thought that I had, it was a weird mix of frustration from a tweet I saw last night from someone at DWS, a tweet that I think is all too indicative of the kind of culture that's existed at DWS and News Gazette for decades now. Just a tired, not forward-thinking, not, not even aligning with Champaign-Urbana, its own community, this own weird bubble that has sort of enveloped DWS and the News Gazette. Something where even after my run on Tay and Carp ended, and a couple people said, well, maybe you could reach out to 1400. I'm like, are you kidding me? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> that, that would not work. It would not be a fit. They have their own identity and culture that they've created, and it might as well be 1975 over there. It might as well be. So it's a mix of frustration that all these years that, you know, the few media outlets we have in town could have been a little bit more ambitious instead of so tired and stagnant. And now they're facing a crunch that will inevitably have an impact, which it might have an impact anyways. It could have been the best leadership in the world. It could have been more forward thinking. You might even be saying, Carp, how would you run it differently? And that's a great question. Because as someone that has never owned a business myself, can't pretend to know how it would be to run the finances or payroll or any of that for a business. Listen, I've never been there before, so far from me to pretend like I have all the answers. But for other people that have lived in this town, you would probably recognize that this media landscape, with the exception of a few cool things that pop up now and then, and some people that genuinely try to do a good job, it's either one of two things. It's transient for really good personalities to come in and they move on. 
And usually that's the TV perspective. Or it's stagnant, as we've seen with local talk radio at DWS or 97.5. The whole thing, okay? Um, The same characters, the same culture that existed 40 years ago is what is leading them into the 2020s. And what a start to the decade it's been for everybody, but certainly not advantageous for a place that was already struggling to begin with. So it's this weird mix of empathy for the situation that they and every business is facing and knowing that a lot of people, you aren't going to get into radio for the money. You're going to get into it because you do care about it and you have a passion for it. And I would hate to see that people face their dream being taken away from them because of a freaking pandemic. But on the other hand, a frustration from my perspective that more wasn't done earlier to start kind of changing things into the 21st century, to start actually bringing some new fresh blood into the conversation. You know, back when we started, or I say we, but back when I joined J, they already had a cool thing going where there were two guys being honest on the air. And they were not afraid to let their personality shine through. That is something that's at a premium in this community. And unfortunately, you know, when I look at our flagship radio station and the culture they've created, they have not fostered this idea of highlighting people's personalities or getting people on the air that aren't the same voices we've heard forever. Some of which are good, but damn it, for a community like Champaign-Urbana, I just feel like we could do better. And it's going to be a shame then when the ultimate repercussions are felt by people behind the scenes, the engineers, the salespeople, all of that. A weird mix of empathy and frustration that this is our landscape and things inevitably change, you know, whether it be podcasting becoming a bigger thing, which it has been. If you ask me, when's the last time that in my car, I actually turned on the radio And it's been months. I either am listening to my Apple Music playlist or I got a podcast queued up. That's what a lot of people do. You got Apple CarPlay. You got all these different apps where you just plug your phone in and it's right there on your dash. Sirius XM. You know, I remember a few years ago, the one thing that we talked about often at the radio station, which I think is true to an extent even now, is that radio's advantage over TV and print is that Tons of people still drive in their cars and they have to listen to something. And there is truth to that. But unfortunately, in this community, I don't feel like enough has been done from the few radio groups that we have to really keep radio at the top of the consumer's mind. And, you know, if you said, Carp, start your own radio station, good luck with that. I'd say, no, probably not in 2020. I'm not going to do that now. There was a trajectory at which radio was going anyways, but uh, it, it was just kind of a weird moment of not depression, just sort of sadness, a realization that we have a sort of dinosaur organization. And because their leaders lacked any sort of foresight as to where things were going, because they're always reactive instead of proactive, that this is only going to be that much worse right here in Champaign-Urbana. Okay media spiel. You know, you could ask me, well, what about the media? Listen, first off, the media is not some sort of monolithic thing when people talk about that. Oh, the media is unfair. Well, what media? Was it a person? Was it a newspaper? Do you think that all of a sudden media people, they get together at a convention every year and decide what sort of conspiracies they're going to spin? That ain't how it works. It's not. Um, You know, often the radio station or the newspaper or the TV station, it is a top-down thing. 
that culture is going to start from the person at the top. It's going to kind of permeate down editorial boards at newspapers or whoever the general manager of a radio station may be. It's not a monolithic entity, you know, and this is one good aspect of the way things are going with media. Individuals now have more of a platform, whether it be through Twitter or podcasting, they can get out there and they can cut through the noise. There isn't a stranglehold or monopoly on ideas from these larger corporations or even in the case of Champagne with 1400 that used to be the only thing in town well it's easy to cut through that noise now because i don't even know how relevant they are but as someone that worked in radio for 10 years here in town i I just felt compelled to talk a little bit about it because when i saw that at 670 my initial thought was well that's a bummer and then immediately i pivoted to this is going to have an impact here and then when i saw that tweet from just a worker at 1400 that was just it it might as well have been a damn parody account It's something that if you said, well, what would someone say that works in a station that plays six hours combined a day of Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity? What crazy things might they say? That's what the tweet was. And I thought, you know, that ain't representative of Champaign-Urbana. Maybe a sliver of the community, you know, 15, 20% of it that might be like, yeah, you go 1400. But I can guarantee for the majority of this community, when you already have so few limited options, when it comes to talk radio, and that's the kind of culture you're dealing with. So like I said, is this a good time to attack media when they're already going to be under attack economically? Maybe not, maybe not, but frustrating nonetheless. And I guess the final bow that I'll put on this is just hoping that even with all that, the frustrations that I may have towards the lack of growth or forward thinking from these local media companies, There's people's jobs on the line that have nothing to do with the larger cultural issues that are being played out here at these places and that are just trying to do their best. So I'm just hoping that on the other side of this thing, they're fine, they're safe, and they got a gig. All right. As I slowly climb off my soapbox, excited to bring on old friend of the show, co-host of the 200 level, who has been living a different reality. Okay, so he was senior year. Final semester, getting ready for the last two months with his friends and his classmates, and all of a sudden you get the rug pulled out from under you, and now you are quarantining at home. Excited to bring back on old friend Isaac Ambrose. Isaac, what are you up to, man? Hey, Carp. I am actually doing nothing. I just woke up. You know, my <laughs> my new alarm clock is set for about 9.15 every day. Not a bad deal. Where it, it, it used to be about eight um so move that back about an hour but yeah just not doing much just schoolwork's getting started e-learning type stuff um so that's probably going to take up most of my time this week but yeah not much yeah we started e-learning too with the the sixth graders and i'm going to ask you about your experience with you know zoom lectures and all that in a second but uh so it's crazy to think essentially a month ago is the last time things were normal. We were two days before Illinois, Iowa. It was, uh, you know, spring break was coming up. You had a trip, I believe, as well. So you went to, what, Carolina with friends the week after the Iowa game? Is that right? Yeah, well, so I went to, okay, so we did that Ohio State, Illinois podcast on the Thursday, and then I left the next morning um, and drove to Pinehurst, North Carolina, where I went golfing with friends for four or five days um and 
so I watched the Illinois-Iowa game in the hotel room on Sunday. What was that? The eighth. Eighth. Yeah. Eighth, yeah. And then actually on our way back um, to the Midwest, we bought tickets. We were going to go to the Big Ten tournament. And then we found out the day before. So we were not too far outside of Indy. And I see the tweet that says, okay, the Big Ten tournament's not going to have any fans. We're like, okay, that sucks. We'll just, you know, go to a bar, go golf somewhere, and then watch the games on TV. And then the next morning we find out the tournament's not going to happen at all. So it was kind of funny because we went on this awesome golf trip. We had perfect weather and we were kind of saying like, man, what a perfect way to end like our college careers and like our spring break together. And then on the way back, the world just flips upside down. And I was pumped for the big 10 tournament. Like I've been once before and I was really excited and, you know, Illinois is going to be in it. So just over the matter of like a few hours, our break went from like a perfect, you know, experience with friends to, the world is just in pure chaos. <laughs> you mentioned how you guys are, you know, probably on the golf course. You're like, yeah, man, what a great way to end it. And little did you know that, yeah, this is actually the end. And I'm feel, I feel for you and college kids. I feel for my sixth graders when um, we're doing like a Zoom session and they'll share some writing and say, I miss my friends. But I mean, really, that has to be. If you were to list the top three things that you miss. I'm guessing it would just be the the socializing or just being able to hang out the last semester of your college career. Yeah, no, for sure. And it was kind of abrupt because, I mean, you can say coulda, woulda, shoulda, but I really do feel like I had a couple months left of college, so it really would have started to set in after spring break, like, dang, we got to make the most of this. We got to hang out, you know, every day, spend time with my friends because who knows the next time I'll see you guys, you know? And that really just came to an abrupt end. It was like, okay, it went from I have a couple months to see these guys to see ya. This, the campus is telling us we got to go home and we all have to leave. And we're essentially just college graduates two months early. Um, so, yeah, not being able to just pick up the phone and be like, hey, you guys want to meet here? Or, hey, let's, you know, just play FIFA till 2 a.m. Um, that type of stuff is just so foreign right now. It's crazy. I mean, we've been staying connected through like FaceTime and just we've zoomed and like played cards a couple times, but still it's just like, yeah, that social interaction you just take for granted, you know? I mean, I've literally only been around and talked to my parents pretty much like the past three weeks. So it's which, just crazy. Which you got you gotta love the parents, but it, it is different, right? Because I was thinking back to my senior year, and I I remember having a realization that April. So this is April two thousand nine, and a routine that I had with our group of friends is I'd get off. I had a Friday afternoon class, go figure, and I actually went to it my last semester. And I would leave that at like three fifty. I'd go to this place, Big Mouth Burgers on Green Street. It's no longer there. It has been there for like a decade. And I'd get my early dinner and make a little spicy biscuit and the, the Diet Coke I got there and go over to a friend's house for basically happy hour pre-gaming every Friday. And it hit me that April, man, this is really cool. And as I reflect back on that, I'm thinking if you would have put myself senior year in a similar position, it would have hit pretty hard, I think, because it's easy for me at 33 to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm married and we got a dog and, you know, it's so much different back then when so much of your stimulus comes from 
those interactions that you have and you got, I know you got zoom and FaceTime and everything, but, uh, damn it. It's it just like you, you're probably itching just to be able to hang out in a room with people again, regardless of oh. where that is, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just an insane feeling that a few weeks ago we were all sleeping in the same room at a hotel and, you know, messing around, sharing golf clubs, um, you know, drinking beers with each other and not definitely being sanitary at all, but just like <laughs> what you were saying about um, about going to this, this burger place, just little things like that. I mean, it really hit me like it sounds little and dumb, but the last time I went to the rec center, it's like, okay, I probably will never go into the rec center and work out again. Like those little things, like I'll probably never go inside my college library again. just like stuff you didn't really realize because I didn't think I would come back from spring break and my college would just be closed. Um, so yeah, like little dumb things like that, like you were saying, go to the burger place. Just imagine if you went there, I'm sure every time you went there, you probably thought, you know, I'm just gonna do the same thing next Friday. So right. it's not a big deal if, um, the, the biscuit isn't as good this week or whatever, <laughs> you know, like just a lot of those little things, even going to the school cafeteria. I mean, the food was terrible, but I would give anything right now to go sit in a room full of three or 400 college students and eat some crappy burger from the cafeteria. You know, it's just, I'm never going to get that again. And it sucks. I'm not trying to play a little violin here, but well, yeah. And uh, you say the world's smallest violin. I actually, in the opening segment had had another moment where I said that very same expression, because I think in a time like this, we are hyper aware of, not complaining outwardly too much or saying, God, this sucks. For example, uh, oh man, I'm probably not going to see Rage Against the Machine this summer. Damn it. You know, but then it's like, right, well, I'm right. not, I'm not dying. So it's, but here's the thing though, and I think it's okay to do this, whether it be sports or whether it be hanging out with friends or whether it be those things that we look forward to doing, it's okay to admit and acknowledge that it sucks it, because we all still recognize you know, there is a life and death component to this, but mm-hmm. that doesn't, I think, negate the fact that we can be like, you know what really sucks is that I can't get that burger from the cafeteria and then go into a lecture hall with 300 other people and not have to think to myself, oh my God. I mean, it's like a game of cooties. Like when we go back out in the public, there's going to be this whole unspoken thing of, wait, do you got it? Wait, do you, do you got it? Am I okay here? Am I am I fine in this room? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I think I heard Trevor say this on the last one, and I completely connected with this yesterday. I went into Meyer, and I was in there for like thirty minutes because I was helping my mom shop, and she got like fifty or sixty things. So after you're in there, you kind of take a step outside and you like breathe in the breathe air or the fresh air, as if you know you're a fish who finally got into water yeah. after being out for a while, and. It's just crazy, just those little things like whoever thought going to the store would be like entering a war zone, you know, and half the stuff on the shelves is just missing. Just random fruit is everywhere. The store just looks (laughs) awful. And I know we were just saying like in the big scheme of things, sports and everything, they're not really that big of a deal. I mean, when you're looking in especially a life or death situation, but holy cow, I know you have music and stuff, Cart, but Mm -hmm. like as someone who's a pretty pretty big sports guy. I mean, that takes a big majority of, a majority of my life. 
what in the hell do people who don't care about sports <laughs> do with their lives all the time? Like, yeah, man. I don't know how you, Read, how I you guess. stay entertained or like stay busy <laughs> with your life. I just can't imagine like, especially this springtime, you know, baseball's getting started. You have the NBA playoffs. If you're into that, of course, March madness, like there's almost too much to consume. Like it, I have to stay up late if I want to catch up on everything. And some people, they just, don't acknowledge it just like i don't acknowledge when the bachelor's on like it's just crazy <laughs> yeah it is a sort of uh, what to do with all this idle time and i i'm super lucky because the week before well, it was actually two days before that iowa game i went in the studio to lay down tracks that i could then build at home and that has been my main activity other than finding crap around the yard uh, I got a new mower, so that's exciting. You're but getting it, old. I know, right? But even <laughs> you mentioned the whole, uh, and I think it is pretty funny because I went to Home Depot yesterday in the open air section, okay, outside, right. no one near me. And I, I got to say, like, Champaign-Urbana has been doing a really good job of social distancing. Everyone's conscientious of it. Um, any experience I've had going to any store, it's fine. But, um, yeah, there's this sort of... Um, anxiety almost that didn't exist before and it's going to be really interesting when we're on the other side of this let's let's hope like july or august we're getting back to normal right and maybe yeah. baseball's being played but not in front of fans but i'll take it as long as it's on tv um but as we get back into that i, I do wonder about the sort of like mental hangover and what i mean by that is it's not just going to be a flip of the switch and voila we're back you know, there's going to be all these sort of um, anxieties any time that people are around each other. And for yeah. someone, I mean, and I take it you're the same way, that enjoys the socialization. For me, it's going to Huber's on a, a Saturday afternoon. And even when they give me the all clear, am I going to want to share in the communal popcorn at right. Huber's? If, you know, I, I do, yeah. but then I'm like, Ugh. Right. It's going to be interesting with sport sporting events, too, because... Like, what are you going to do? Go from no fans to, okay, we let 1,000 fans in the stadium to, okay, we let 2,500 fans in the stadium to, okay, three weeks later, we're letting 10,000 fans in the stadium. And it's just, we did, it sucks, but we still don't know a ton about this virus. Like, we don't know a ton about it where we could start throwing people in the same rooms together, I feel like. And it's not like you can just have 16,000 tests sitting at the state farm center and everybody gets tested on their way in. Like when you're going through security and if you somehow test positive, you're like, all right, you get to watch the game from outside. Like <laughs> I just don't, it's just, I don't know how they're going to do it. And it's never really, and nothing like this is, I mean, people say SARS and whatever those other swine flu diseases, but nothing like this, I feel like where it spreads so fast and all these older people are just dying at like alarming rates. And I'll admit I'm not, like freaking out about the virus as some people are, but it is there and you have to acknowledge it. And especially with sports where you're literally bringing thousands and thousands of people together. And I think of like the M like the NFL, think about like a Los Angeles Rams game. Think about how many people are there and then think about where they all have come from. Like you probably have people from China, from Europe, from Australia, from New York, from Boston, just all coming in in L.A. Like, how are you going to keep – how are you going to stay on top of that? It's just – and like with you going to concerts, like yeah. uh. you get, you're sweating all over each other. Like <laughs> everybody's just spitting and like 
I mean, think about how many concerts you've been to and mm-hmm. somebody next to you probably sneezed or coughed and you didn't really think anything of it. But like if you were at that concert now, you'd be like, holy cow, get away from me. I mean, I know for a fact I've stepped in piss at concerts. Yeah. I mean, this is just it's just mm-hmm. what it is. If you're in a lawn or something like that or you go to those disgusting bathrooms in an amphitheater, you're stepping in piss. So it's like, well, I don't know if I want to do as as cute and right. nostalgic as that was last year. And it's funny because you mentioned the sweat and the spit. And if you think about it at a concert where everybody's singing, if, 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 are you the kind that sings in your car when you buy yourself? Uh, if I'm like getting pumped up or like on the way to like an interview or something I want to kill, I'll say, yeah, I'll turn up some hype music and sing it out loud. Um, but I'm more of like a head bobber. Like if I got a good beat on, I feel like I'm head bobbing. See, the reason I say that is because if I look at my inner windshield, I got to clean that sucker like once a month. <laughs> because if you get into direct yeah. sunlight, you're like, what are all these droplets doing on the inside of my windshield? I just got my car clean yesterday. But right. uh, So you go to a concert, but I was thinking even football, for example. And this is where I mentioned the opening segment. I'll get your thoughts on this here in a bit, too. But first, the, the macro picture of it with football. And I know that yesterday uh, Trump had spoke to all the different league uh, executives and said he's optimistic the football could start on time. But I'm thinking, well, wait a second. If we don't have the ability to trace all 75 guys plus all 50 support staff on each team and all the officials and all the TV crews and everything, we're talking about a sport where people are literally bumping up against each other. You talk about sweat and spit. I mean, basketball for sure. Yeah, and then football just mash people mashing into each other, and I'm thinking, God, I mean, the only way you I I could see that happening, and then you talk about the liability issues with college football. I mean, the health and well being of collegiate athletes, and these athletic directors are going to be, you know, crapping their pants a little bit if they're asked to just proceed as normal. And I don't I don't know. It's to me, I would be surprised. Maybe pro football because they're professionals, whatever. But I, I have a hard time envisioning college football without just rampant testing, like daily. Oh, yeah, you're good to go. All right, you can play. Right. And I mean, imagine like college tailgates and nobody's dumb. Like these college athletes go to parties and do all that stuff. So, like, I feel like it would be a lot harder to keep track of those players and keep them under control versus a pro athlete you're like all right if you somehow go to a party and test positive like you're not getting your check you know what i'm saying right but it's it really is interesting because football well i'm a big football guy but football outside of like wrestling and rugby that's probably the worst sport to play when this coronavirus stuff is going on and just think about okay so even if we do get testing and everything i know a lot of people are projecting there's going to be another rise like even after the coronavirus goes away like maybe this fall it's going to kind of bump back up again but i was thinking about this like so say they went ahead and did march madness this year and the coronavirus was still going on and but people were still scared because we have no idea what the heck's going on what if somehow illinois is playing in like the elite eight and then Io somehow test positive. <laughs> what do you like? Yeah. Do Brad Underwood and the staff try to keep that under you know under everything, or exactly. do you come out and then it's like okay, Io can't play? And I'm just thinking, yeah, even if like the NFL happens, like okay, Tom Brady tests positive, he can't play for at least two weeks, and then you have to test everybody he's come in contact with, and. Yeah, we can't even fathom. I feel like everything that we're gonna have to go through and all the testing and 
ramifications of coronavirus. Yeah, you you mentioned that, like all these unintended consequences. So, for example, first off, if the Olympic Committee and all their rampant testing can't detect steroid usage from Olympic athletes in in any effective way, I don't know how you're going to do that with all these athletes. And you, you mentioned that other concern, too, that if a player were to, you know, test positive for it. And then, well, who's administering the test? If Illinois and Brad Underwood and those guys were administering the test, I, this is total speculation, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm almost positive the the thought, one little inkling of a thought, this is human nature, would be, you know, guys, do we really have to report this? So now you need to right, get in, right. you need to get an independent body to come in and do it, and it's just it, it's a total mess, and it's something that about I, I don't know six months ago. There's a Netflix show called Explained. Have you watched any of those before? I uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm looking at it, but I have not seen them. They're 20-minute episodes each, so they're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's any interesting topic for 20 minutes, and then by the end of it, you have a sort of superficial knowledge of that topic, and Pandemics is one of them. And about five, six months ago, we watched it, and it was a little bit unsettling, but even after watching it, you don't think, oh man, you know, it could happen here. Even after watching Outbreak or Contagion, you weren't like, mm-hmm. oh God, you know, you, you sleep fine. And then all of a sudden you're in this reality and uh, it's a lot more, I, and I'm not in the front lines or anything, but it's almost like anticlimactic in that there's not a lot of like, there's no explosions and like craziness. It's more just like, okay, stay in your homes. Right. N- nothing's and it's happening. Like- Okay, we have no idea how long this is going to last, so you better get used to sitting on your couch and like doing nothing. And this is probably awful that I thought about this, but like, say this dies off or comes back a little bit, who knows? If you're like Brad Underwood and you're playing Iowa, right? Iowa comes into town and you have a a pretty good-looking girl that has coronavirus. Are you sending her up to Luca Garza's <laughs> hotel room hoping that they somehow <laughs> interact with each other <laughs> interact play i see <laughs> no i mean th- that sounds to me like a modern day version of the smallpox blankets you know like yeah. just yeah. all <laughs> um you know i i think that uh, i i had a awful joke last week on the podcast where well there were two of them one was rudy go bear rudy go over there but that was oh, just yeah. stupid that was good the other one was with a group of friends and the fountains of wayne guy died and i said oh i guess he was experiencing experiencing fountains of pain and that's a good one yeah <laughs> but and i know these are like morbid morbid sense of humor which is naturally going to creep in and the fact that you the, that you had that thought is fine because yeah. it's it's goofy. It ain't gonna happen. No. And we need to find there. There's ridiculous stuff by nature when something like this goes on. There's ridiculous things that are gonna enter our heads, and it's like I, I want to feel comfortable sh- still sharing them, and yeah. however bad or off color the the joke may be. Um, has South Park made fun of coronavirus yet? Because I feel like if so, then it's kind of on limits. I mean, it will be. I think they come back in the fall. So okay, they'll be on the. So they well, definitely will. That's a good yeah, question though, because will. they usually do spring episodes, and they do like huh. six in the spring, six in the fall, and I don't know if they've had any new ones. Here's another thing too, and it's a good thing Star Wars. I mean, some people would argue Episode Nine wasn't great. I don't know how big of a Star Wars fan you are, but that wrapped up in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're already seeing, you know, movie release dates pushed back. You're seeing movies that were on the docket no longer. So we have all this entertainment backlogged on Netflix yeah. and Hulu. Thank goodness. But in, in terms of new material, not just sports, but new TV shows, new movies, mm-hmm. it, 
new albums because bands, I mean, I'm thinking about like gigs we got coming up. For one, they may be canceled. For another, when do I want to get back in a room with four or six other people right. within five feet of each other as I'm spittling all over the microphone? <laughs> it's all it's all these unintended consequences. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, thinking about movies and stuff, they're all getting pushed back. And it's not like this fall we're just going to get 10,000 good movies like movies that were planning to come out this fall are probably pushing back movies that I mean you can't you can't record anything you can't bring all the cast together and like film stuff so everything's gonna get pushed back even movies that are probably aiming to be released in 2021 2022 are pushing back because everything that's supposed to be released right now is getting pushed back so it's just it's gonna be crazy I'm really hoping that this fall it all passes, and you have like the Masters on TV. You have football, mm. you have the NBA Finals, maybe some baseball, and a bunch of movies that were supposed to come out this year. Um, a Quiet Place Two got delayed, and I hope that comes out. I really like the first one, um, but again, you don't. I hope it's not just like an, a, a bombardment. Like we've been waiting so long for all this stuff, they can release it slowly. Um, just like the NFL draft everybody's going to be freaking out. It's going to be the only sports thing we have for months. So just like with movies and stuff this fall, they should just release them slowly and let everybody adjust to having media again. I was going to ask you about this because earlier we were talking about football and the, I, I thought in the opening segment, because Nancy Fay, for example, this mm -hmm. is what led me to this thought. Nancy Fay got an extension after going 4-48 and yeah. in the Big Ten, and I'm not going to feign outrage about it because I don't follow women's basketball very closely, so whatever. And it seems to me like a purely financial move given the realities of – let's put it this way. With the pandemic going on, I think that all but confirmed Josh Whitman's decision, I'm just going to keep her because we yeah. don't have the money. We're, 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 we may be losing money later. So that led me to the next logical step. That if college football, for example, even best case scenario does go on, but without crowds, mm -hmm. not that we pack the stadium and there is Big Ten revenue coming from the Big Ten network and all that. But just simply from a financial perspective, it seems to me more and more likely that regardless of what happens this season, if there is a season, you are in Illinois position kind of locked into Lovey. Yeah, Lovey Smith might get another year by default. Um even though recruiting, it's nothing. And geez, if you thought recruiting was hard for the football team and they weren't bringing anybody in, yeah. who the hell are they going to bring in now? I mean, I guess you can still Zoom call and everything, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And of course, I know I've talked about this with Lon at the station. He was saying how you could write a book on all the times that history has just screwed the Illini. I mean, <laughs> this would be up there. The right? best best basketball team in since the tournament team in 2013 and the tournament gets canceled and then the most talented football team in a while that we've had coming up this fall i know the d-line was going to be interesting but most talented team we've had in a while coming up this fall and football might not even happen and if it does we won't be able to go watch them in person so yeah it's going to be interesting but for, I don't know, do you think not having fans would help Illinois since a lot of times there's only like twenty or 30,000 <laughs> fans in Memorial Stadium? I mean, I'd be kind of used to it. My thought was the social distancing measures could be executed even if you had fans in the stadium because right. <laughs> my dad and I, whatever our seats are, there's this uh, a spot in the top row of the West Main along that brick wall. 
And it's yeah. essentially standing room only. So we go in there, we just kind of stand up and create space for ourselves. It's not a problem. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about that too, the sort of the ramifications at home. And again, prefacing all this by acknowledging there are far bigger issues, life and death, all that. But on a, on the 200 level, we can broach the Illinois thing. So for me, it is living in this new reality now, I got to be honest, I I maybe by default decided I'm going to take the optimist perspective of the way this Illinois basketball season ended. The way I view it in my Pollyanna orange colored glasses is that, hey, what better way to end the year than beating your heated rival in an amazing, exciting game at home with a last second block right before that another IO moment in front of a packed house and that's the last taste that we get of Illinois basketball until the fall. No matter what would have happened, Isaac, short of winning a national title and maybe a Big Ten tournament title, we would have ended the season on a sour note. It's just the way it ends for 63 other teams, right? Yeah. No, that's a good point and it's hard to think of a much better scenario to end your basketball season if if you knew the tournament and everything was going to get canceled and again, another IO moment your freshman big man you brought in that changed everything blocked the Big Ten Player of the Year um, and made him sit down on the court and kind of whine about it for a second. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like anything that would have happened would have not been satisfying almost if it wasn't the national championship. But just being an Illinois fan and knowing – I mean, even how football season ended, like – the way this basketball season ended just tops that by a thousand because we lost the last three straight games. So say just like how football you lost in the bowl game. I mean, would you feel satisfied if we lost our first big 10 tournament game and then lost in our first tournament game? Like I'd rather go out on that Iowa win than, you know, have more opportunities to blow it. Well, on the podcast after that Iowa game, I had even said, you know, there's a chance this team doesn't win another game and I don't want to fall in that trap of, letting that that paint my perception of them and uh, you know that decision got taken away from us but nightmare scenario to me is that you play the game on friday and i remember being at school uh, preparing for parent-teacher conferences that didn't happen on that thursday morning as the big 10 tournament is getting ready to have a game in front of no fans and Mm -hmm. thinking you know what i don't want i don't want to play iowa and lose to them and and then all of a sudden big 10 tournament on friday at like you know, 2 p.m. says, hey, guys, actually, that's it. We're, we're, we're right. pulling the plug now. And it's like, no. You know? I know. So, but I say all that. And God dang it. Like, to me, Selection Sunday was a moment I was looking forward to almost oh, yeah. as much as the games just for the symbolic, hey, you're back. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Say we won the Big Ten tournament or got runner up or something like that. I know that's that's optimistic, but. And, you know, the teams that, like, win the tournament or get runner-up, they usually have a camera, like, in their locker room or their viewing party or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, in Illinois, out of the Big Ten, you know, they'll they'll take the sixth seed in the West region or whatever. And that's just that was just such a moment I was looking forward to. You know, I, it always seems like on Selection Sunday, at least in the Midwest, where I've only lived in the Midwest, but it's sunny it's a Sunday afternoon. Like life is just really good, and they're picking the teams for the tournament. And then after the tournament, you know, is decided, you're blitzing, you're 
figuring out who you're going to pick for your final four. And just that would have been 10 times sweeter than it normally is because Illinois would have been in it. And it's not like we would have been in the play-in game. Like we would have easily been a seven or an eight seed and we could have bumped our seeding up even, you know, after the big 10 tournament. So that would have just been so much, so much sweeter if, if it would have happened. Last thing I'll leave you with here, Isaac, is with Illinois basketball next year, because you mentioned football. I got to be honest, I mean, full disclosure, and you probably could have guessed this already, but the way that last season ended and the total lack of recruiting momentum, for me, football this year was going to be, okay, um, let's see what you got. Yeah. Meanwhile, basketball, despite the losses, potentially, of Io, Andres Feliz, and Alan Griffin, and Kipper, mm-hmm. let's not forget Kipper, and Tyler, <laughs> and Tyler Underwood, come on, and yeah, Samson, yeah. Samson, I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that, like that. that I still find myself gravitating already, because I think there's a likelihood that the first big sports thing that we could attend again would be an Illinois basketball game in November, December, yeah. and that as I look at next year's roster, even with the likely departures, and let's throw Iowa in that mix, even though I think that's an interesting story to follow now, that I'm still excited, especially now that we are keying in on a couple stretch fours that I think could round out the roster in a way that certainly is different than the roster we just saw, but might be able to create its own identity based on good three-point shooting and length. Because that's going to be a big team in in terms of size, a big team next year. No, I'm excited. I hope we get one of these one of these transfer guys. I think that could be huge. And who knows? Maybe I know Alan had his reasons, and Tev definitely had his reasons. But these guys also might have known something that we don't about a potential tip off on one of these transfer guys. And I don't know. They're saying big things about the transfers, Granderson, Hutcherson. So I think we could be a lengthy. Brad Underwood team, and then you added Curbelo in there, who's going to hopefully dish it to everybody, and Adam Miller, who can hopefully put up thirty on one night, and if he's hot, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting, and it's awesome because basketball ended, and you felt like the future was still bright, even if Io leaves. Football ended, and you're like, all right, it's kind of boom or bust. Like the future is not really bright. We're going to lose all these guys sooner or later. Like. It just, they had kind of opposite feelings. They did. And I'm thinking too about the Alan Griffin situation. We'll, we'll close on this is, you know, it was announced, I think Saturday evening, Saturday night when mm-hmm. it came yeah. out, he was going to Syracuse. And for me, it's okay when a player after transfer like that, if it's out of sight, out of mind. And if it would have been, uh, for example, if it would have been uh, Iowa's name was thrown around, and I thought that would be a total nightmare scenario. Instead, oh, it's yeah. Syracuse, and you probably will never have to face him or deal with him again. Not to mention he's going to sit out a year. To right. me, for one of my fan, a fan favorite for good reason, it does sort of soften the blow a little bit. He went to a good school, not the best school. He went to the ACC, not the Big Ten. Okay, we move on. Right. Could be worse for sure. Well, Isaac, uh, we will stay in touch because we got this capability to do these interviews, and I'm just going to be keeping in touch with everybody along the way. Uh, when we get into the Last Dance documentary, at least we'll have yeah. some sort of, you know, sports of area interest to talk about. I can't wait for that. Is there anything? Oh, yeah. Are you watching old games? That's all it is right now. Yeah, I've been. Well, again, I was watching Friday Night Lights. I know we were texting. Oh about, my god, um, so good. I watched like 
the final eight episodes a couple nights ago. And actually, it's funny. My parents – so I started it um, when this quarantine all started. And then they noticed I was watching it. And then they started watching it with me. And then there would be nights where, like, I wanted to go to bed. It was, like, 1 in the morning. And my mom would be like, no, we got to watch – like, we got to see, <laughs> you know, what happens to Lila or what the heck Tyra's doing with her life. And I'm just – like trying to go to bed. So I got my parents addicted to binging, which there is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been recording. I recorded a couple of those Bulls games that you were talking about, actually, because I've never really seen – I've never really dissected Jordan Jordan's game. So I'm going to do that. And like I recorded the 2016 Game 7 um, when the Cavs beat the Warriors. So yeah, just old stuff like that just to try to have some – normal sports vibes in this house you know yeah and the bulls games are, are doing a great job of that for me because i was old enough to remember really the second three pete i do remember the third championship against the suns but that bulls team in 96 length i mentioned that for illinois roster coming up i yeah. know Corbello's pretty undersized but apart from that uh you got pretty decent length all around and that bulls team i mean your point guard ron harper was six six jordan was six six scotty pippen was six eight you had Luke Longley at 7'2", Dennis Rodman at 6'8". And then I think the shortest guy on the bench was Steve Kerr by a long shot. But he's probably still 6'3", and he shot 50% from three. Yeah, I, I heard that. How is that possible that you could shoot 50% from three? He was like, incredible. I mean, that, that's insane. that was a complete roster. And even without a dominant center, it, Luke Longley was fine. Bill Wennington was a guy. The Bulls, that entire run... It was just a bunch of like normal white guy centers, just <laughs> yeah. dudes that were okay, you know. Well, and, that but used it to be matter. most of the NBA was like those big old hefty white guys. And and when they did play the likes of in that playoff stretch in '96, the Eastern Conference they ran through Alonzo Mourning in the Heat, they mm-hmm. ran through Patrick Ewing in the Knicks, and then now they're playing the Eastern Conference Finals, which they swept Shaq and the Magic. Yeah. And yeah. it didn't matter. I mean, just despite the disadvantage they had at center, everything else, they were just above and beyond. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to watch those because I do think that basketball holds up. It's a lot grittier and more physical. But I, I look at these athletes from back then. I'm like, they would totally compete, I think, in this NBA. Oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see because, again, the game is so much different. But I was just talking about that with my dad yesterday, like just looking at Michael Jordan. And I know he's the best player ever, but. He's just got that basketball body. Just when he shoots and when he moves, you can just tell like this dude's a baller. It's like he was invented in a lab to play basketball. And no, definitely Patrick Ewing was a monster. I mean, that dude was massive. Shaq is massive. Like these guys could ball. And I just think a lot of guys in the NBA now are just freak athletes and they're not necessarily super technically sound which I feel like a lot of dudes like Larry Bird was not a freak athlete. No. He was just an insane <laughs> shooter. Yeah. And it would be crazy to see those guys kind of interact um, and see them play against each other. And yeah, I'm just interested to kind of dissect those, those bulls teams because that was a little bit before my time. I think MJ retired and, or no, he left the bulls in 98, right? Which is when I was born. Yep. Um, so I, I was just on the tail end of that. Um, and I don't really remember, Jordan playing on the Wizards or anything, but yeah, it gives me some some good time to catch up on stuff like that that I've never really had the opportunity to. Well, Isaac, stay safe. Uh, enjoy the extended time with your family. Enjoy the trips to Meyer, which are yes. inevitable. And uh, will. we will talk soon. We'll get something set up here in the next week or two as well. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, last thing I want to say, I just thought of, you know how you were saying in Memorial Stadium, it would still work to sit six feet apart. Yeah. I'm just imagining like an aerial view from like a drone and like, <laughs> and like they have six feet measured out in between every fan and the bleachers and they're just like all spread out and it just looks like a bunch of little dots, which I you're mean, right though. You could do that at Memorial Stadium. Especially the student section and not to blame the students. I mean, I wouldn't no, probably yeah. have gone either, but that's basically been social distancing in practice for the last decade so but just um yeah everybody coming in one by one and you have to just go sit and the next person files in and sits <laughs> six feet to your left and the whole stadium eventually just has like five thousand people six feet apart you, but. you see people very conscientious at, at my well i don't know if your meyer has the x's on the floor by the cash register yet or not Oh, yeah. Okay. I just saw the they put those like glass shields up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're taking it serious. I went to Schnooks one yeah. time and before I put anything on the conveyor belt, she was like, uh, give me one sec. I just got to disinfect this. I was like, by all means, disinfect away. I'm, I'm fine to wait. All I'll right. Be safe and sorry. That's right. Isaac, stay safe and uh, we will talk soon. OK. Hey, yeah. Carp, have a good one. Adios. All right. We'll see you. Isaac see Ambrose, our Skype interviews continue as we roll along here in the 200 level, trying to figure out our own identity as we continue without sports. And we knew, at least I had thought about how the summer was going to be a lean time. We'd get into April after March Madness. We'd have some recruiting and things to talk about, but that, man, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're figuring it out. Unfortunately, we got a good crop of people to talk with. So thanks to Isaac. We'll be in touch with him. Later this week, we'll have a podcast with a journalist that I'm excited about, someone that we used to have on 93.5 quite a bit, and a really good voice that I'm excited to have an extended conversation with. We'll get Trevor and Harry on the horn. We'll get Brightweiser. I need to give Lon a text. But uh, the important thing is that two times a week, we will be here. We'll be putting out new episodes, and I'll probably do a little bit of talking, and then we'll bring someone on for a conversation. So i uh, got to thank DP Doe online at DP Doe. Dot com for all the best deals and prices. DPDO.com delivers anywhere in Champaign-Urbana so you can stay at home and enjoy delicious food. Also, 4th and Kirby online at 4th and Kirby.com. Coupon code 200 level or the 200 level will get you 10% off your order. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy for all your life, auto, home, renters, business, insurance needs. Brian is my guy.com. My voice is starting to crack, which is my cue to sign off. We will see you later this week. Until next time, it is the 200 level.